Welcome one, welcome all to another developer interview here on the Xbox Expansion Pass. Today I'm joined by Stefan Rastani and Basile Pernou of Digital Kingdom about their latest title, Swordship, came out in December 2022. I'm your host, Luke Lore, the insipid ghost. Stefan, Basile, thank you both for joining me today. Hello, Hello. thanks. Thanks for inviting us. It's an absolute pleasure to have you guys. You have one of the coolest games uh, and most unique games that I've uh, played in a long time. I hesitate to try and describe it to audio listeners uh, because it's just so unique. And I'm curious to know, how do you guys describe your game? <laughs> That's a good one. I think I think the, the tagline we, we stuck to it is uh, a dodge up. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's essentially kind of a reverse reverse bullet hell. Um, a lot of stuff is attacking you, but and you have no means of firing back. The only mm -hmm. thing you can do is is uh, use the enemy's fires as uh, against themselves. Basil, would you agree with that? A, a, a reverse bullet hell, a dodge em up, as it were. Yeah, the dodge em up is the one we sticked with. Uh, we actually, at first, we had uh, what did we use as a tagline to describe it? Uh, we, had, we had the coolest boat game ever, but we yeah, didn't really use that. But, yeah. but the then we weren't sure it was really the coolest one, so we had to switch to something else. Now, actually, it's uh, we we that's when we realized that it was kind of feeling like a bullet hell, even though it wasn't one like a shoot them up. It, it was feeling like a, a shoot them up, and then we had this tagline that came up, and it's pretty. I think it it, it explains the game well, uh, really. Yeah. You have to yeah. dodge everything. A dodge em up really does kind of suit because that is truly what you're doing. And I love that, uh, Stefan, you pointed out how you can manipulate enemies into shooting each other. Um, part of this game, though, reminds me of like anti-gravity racers, like maybe the old Wipeouts or Z uh, Extreme G or something like that. Uh, tell me about the game's origins. Like, was this what you guys envisioned from the from the get go? <laughs> Yeah. Absolutely not. Right, go ahead, Basil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, from the beginning, you, you say Wipeout and those kind of games, and that's fun because at the beginning, we wanted to have like a racing game. Uh, we were doing, we tried doing some prototypes with uh, things where you looked on the ship like in a race game from behind and you go really fast and you try to avoid obstacles. And then we wanted to have enemies trying to get you, and we realized it was not possible to, you know, look in front of you, avoid obstacles, then having enemies coming behind, and everything was just so difficult to follow. So yeah, it, it's it's right. It has this vibe of people said like burnout as well. You know, mm -hmm. um, it, it has that kind of vibe, but actually, it's it's at the end it was not the game at all to do a race so we removed that part and we switched the camera and we said okay actually let's forget about the race it's just enemies coming but still you're going to be you're driving really fast but you never need to turn anywhere there is no track to follow yeah that 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 game went through a whole lot of different uh setups i think i remember once we we sat in a starbucks with with you basil and we discussed various ideas because we we knew we wanted to make a sort of boat racing-ish kind of game. Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah, we were talking about something highly inappropriate with drug smuggling and that kind of stuff. Um, and then, yeah, we ended up doing yeah, some weird things with the yeah, obstacles to avoid in front of you, enemies coming at the back, 
behind you. We had a like we we iterated with an open world on water kind of thing, which didn't really work out. And then yeah, we settled on the this uh, this thing with the camera in the front and um, enemies coming from the back. And that's where the kind of bullet hell Dajimob thing came up. Now, how long between prototype from like inception to prototyping to landing on the vision that you got now? How what's the timeline of events on that? Ooh, I think the prototype. What we spent some months more, on more it, than a year, and then we ha- we changed the direction, and then we wh- when we decided what we wanted to do, we had like some more six months of prototyping for the real thing. Uh, but before we tried like the open world stuff and everything that was also like six months or something. So it's at least one and a half year, I guess. And then how much? Three years of development? Not sure. Yeah, two two to three years, I think, yeah, of of development. But yeah. So you guys are looking ballpark around like a four year total time? Is that a fair yeah, point? That's yeah, roughly. So we're not we're not all full time on the game, so that that's why it's been taking a bit uh, longer. Um, our, our studio also does like contract work and extra stuff on the side. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're not always committed all, like all the, all the developers on the, on the game at, at once. That's interesting. So you guys are dividing your time between being, I don't know. I, I don't mean this in a demeaning way, a support studio, as well as kind of creating your own project. It's not really a support studio because we, it's still our own, um, creations that we mm-hmm. make. Uh, but it's um, it's made for clients, so it's um, games to learn stuff or to uh, you know bring a message somewhere. Mm-hmm. Mainly, we make a lot of games for museums, oh. uh, and sometimes it's closer to interactive software than games, depending on what the job is. Um, that kind of um, small. Yeah screens you have in museums with display of information where it's uh, usually it's kind of gamified and sometimes it's always it, it can al- almost be a full game or it is some some real <laughs> real games that we make mm-hmm. where you can actually take a controller and play with your friends uh we, we had some of those for clients as well yeah and vr stuff for the for the police in switzerland that was a fun one as well yeah, yeah. now see that's cool do you guys take a lot any lessons learned from say doing like a museum project or a vr project for the police uh do lessons from that make their way into your your other projects sword yeah, ship com- or otherwise com- completely yes, yeah um, so we, we we learn a lot from from that uh also i think one of the cool thing with this is we get to start new projects with like we, we can use the, the cutting edge coolest tech every time because we don't we don't fear that it's getting deprecated uh, in one year or whatever. We, we can just jump on all of the cool stuff right away. Um, mm-hmm. And then we'll use those learnings for the next games that we make. And also what we do in games, um, as we get better at doing games, we also get better at, at doing those uh, contract work. So I think it's a virtuous cycle. Does the... I, I feel like I would know the answer to this, but I don't. Uh, when you guys are making projects for the police, for VR, police, museums, contract stuff, uh, are those using like the same game engines that you would use to make Swordship? Yep. Yeah, it's the same. I think um, it's even the same version for many projects, so we don't have to switch between versions. 
Uh, and there are a couple of tools we reuse from one to another. So some of the coding libraries we have might be also present in Swordship and in client uh, projects. That's really neat. That's really neat. Now, talk to me a little bit about Swordship's art style, because once again, I hesitate to try and describe it to audio listeners because it's really unique. It's a really neat like color palette pop as well as a camera angle uh, thing. And you, I think you guys mentioned and alluded to this camera angle in, in the beginning anyway with the perspective. Yes. So the, so the art style, so you don't have any artists here. So, um, I mean, if, if our lead artist listens to this podcast, he'll probably kill us, uh, but I'll, I'll go ahead and give it a shot. So I think he got inspired. Um, yeah, I, as you mentioned by, uh, wipeouts, um, and like he, he, he reread some time ago, a comic book, a French one called the, the golden city, mm-hmm. which is about a, a city submerged in water and, uh, people exchange goods on, on, on boats. And that was one of the references. Uh, and then also the, there was, so, so the, all the art style is super low poly and very simplistic. Mm-hmm. So that's the, the two reasons for this is on one side, since we were a small team, um, it helps on, um, yeah, keeping up the iteration speed high and being able to, to deliver all of the assets that we need. Uh, and also we wanted to give, to get everything really simple and readable because we're making a game that's quite demanding on the on what you see. You need to focus uh, on, on what's happening. Uh, so we need stuff to be highly readable and not, not super detailed because that, that kind of distracts the eye. So yeah, everything is pretty pretty simple in that, for that. Yeah, I think once we had like someone asking on Twitter somewhere, how do you make, what kind of tech has been used to make this amazing style? You know, it's unique. I've never seen that. What, what technology is used? Actually, it's, it's just... There is no technology at all. It's just plain colors. You don't texture anything. You just put colors in it. And, mm-hmm. and uh, that's what, what Ben, our artist, does. He manages really well this really simple stuff. And, you know, it's like really elegant. It's really nice. Um, I, I think also it's the first project where we, uh, the game designer insisted so much in having, uh, at first it was a really visual project like most of the, the ideas came from the um, our our artist mm-hmm. but at some point we had to switch and say okay actually the game design is going to be um the the main thing and everything is in support of that so the artist had to rethink uh some stuff like the, the the boat was red at the beginning and it had to be yellow because red is for negative stuff like enemies uh, warning zones so Actually, one thing that makes it also really work is that any color or element in this uh, uh, visual um, uh, artistic direction that we Mm -hmm. took is made so that the game design is uh, put forward and that you can understand better what's going on. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I think that's really distinct about both the art style and the way your game plays, and I'm watching it on my second screen, is is how fast you feel like you're going. And Stefan, I think you alluded to this as well, is the sense of speed. Yeah, which is, I mean, w- one weird thing is that since we know how the game is, how the game is made, we know that nothing is actually moving, really. Mm-hmm. Water is just a scrolling plane, and we, the ship is really static. Um, you're just moving left, right, up, down. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so you're never really leaving the, the, the central zone of the game. 
Uh, so one of the challenges was to yeah make, give back this this feeling of speed, um, and there there have been yeah there have been a lot of, a lot of like tiny challenges to get all that right, uh, mm -hmm. getting the the waters scrolling correct and the the uh, scenery that we have on the sides to scroll nicely with this. Um, I think we also have. Yeah, in the in the in the slow motions scenes uh, when the mm -hmm. camera angle cuts, uh, we're slowing everything down as as, as well. Uh, like so, the decor slows slows down, mm -hmm. and then once you the camera gets back up, everything um, accelerates again. So so the time slows, but we also slow down on top of that the the rest of the of the game. Yeah, one other fun stuff is that we had we wanted it to go really fast, but for it to feel kind of realistic when you kill an enemy and there is an explosion it has to then scroll back because the enemy stops moving when you kill it and it goes back but if it's if you're going too fast you don't see that happening because it's just the explosion is leaving too fast for you to see the fumes and see the, the smoke so actually the plane on which you play is scrolling uh, as uh, at a lesser speed than the, the elements outside of the game area. If you look at the scenery outside, it's scrolling faster to give you this sense of, of going fast, but the, the center part of the screen is scrolling slower. And I you, do you see that. Don't, you almost don't realize, realize it when you... that The water pane is going to always scroll at the same speed, but the scenery, the, the objects are going faster. That's, and that's just helping you a bit feeling that you're going really fast. That's really neat. I don't I don't think I ever would have picked up on that. But as I'm watching, because I'm watching the gameplay, it does feel like the debris and such that are on the sides is is flying by faster. Um, and I'm also really fascinated by like the trail that, that goes behind the ship as you go through the water, like the way that animates. <laughs> feels so, really cool, too. And you yeah, two no, are laughing, which means there's something I think, there. So this one has a long history. I think that was the first element that we, even before we knew we wanted to make a boat game, I think our artist knew he wanted a trail somewhere somehow um so we we iterated with rocket ships uh, other kind of kinds of stuff and then yeah we we fell into a a boat that has a, a yeah a wake behind, yeah, behind it. We, he wanted and i was really sold to the idea i loved it as well that we, uh, you want to have the feeling that it's really smooth and that helps a lot seeing this trail behind you but the mm -hmm. fun thing is that at the beginning it was huge because it was important for the visual art that that you that we wanted to have, so it was really huge. And it's one of the things the game designer said that we had to tweak down a lot because uh, the player needs to see what's going on. So it was twice as big at the beginning. Yeah, because if you were in front of an enemy, then you wouldn't see it. You wouldn't see what the enemy is doing anymore. So yeah, we had to tone that down. It was a, it was it was a, a tiny drama that. Uh, that we, that we had to reduce it. There were also a lot of fun stuff with uh, slow motions because mm -hmm. that that's a custom. So the trail is a custom thing that we built for that. Mm -hmm. um, so it's kind of emitting frames of vertices uh, that 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 move a bit around with some noise. Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah, we we realized I think pretty late. I think like two weeks before release or something that uh, the, if you use the bullet time uh, action, like it's, a, it's a power that you can use in the game. Mm -hmm. If you used it and moved the ship around, the ship's trail was just completely effed. Like it was... Oh no. Yeah, completely all over the place. And the art, <laughs> our artist 
had never noticed this. And uh, yeah, everybody in the team was just like, oh man, if he, doesn't, if he doesn't say it's it's broken, then it works as he intends to. Right. So yeah, yeah, we, we fixed that a bit last minute. I noticed that when uh, when you talk about slow motion, on on some occasions when it goes into slow motion, uh, the camera angle shifts. Does that kind of go back to the early vision of the game where, where you can see behind you a little bit? Because it doesn't go fully, but it does seem to like kick down so you can see enemies behind you as the explosion happens. Yeah, but it's just for uh, it's just to be cool. I mean, that the, the original idea was that you would use what's behind here. You you're not we don't expect the player to actually make any use of this camera to see something new or you know understand mm-hmm. the, the, the world better. It's really just to have. But we from the start we knew if we wanted the game to look cool, we needed to have some cool effects. So that's kind of part of it. Like we had many movies for inspirations, like uh, the James Bond movies, where you know he's driving his car and you see the, the other cars chasing behind mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. So we knew the camera would need at some point to show you explosions or cool stuff. Yeah, there was a bit of Mad Max as well, I think, in the movies references. Mm-hmm. And but yeah, those cameras are just just for show off. Gotcha. I got a vibe of like I talked about Wipeout and such, but I also thought about Spy Hunter. So when you say the James Bond stuff, because because in in Swordship there's missiles and stuff flying around at you, uh, which which is kind of cool. Uh, the enemy design to me is really neat because you have to play the enemies against one another, but there's also a simplicity to it that makes sense. And so as as the player is going through some of the enemies have like you know columns of fire that you have to avoid others uh you have to make them shoot at one another uh did you guys play around with that design much or did it kind of just fall into place that was that was a bit yeah there was a lot of iterations on that as well um i think the the only enemy that no not even i'm yeah the the, the gunner so the one that shoots a bullet at you i think that's mm-hmm. the second one we had in the game the first one we had was, yeah, something that was kind of aiming at you and then dashing itself at you, and you had to avoid it. It was called the Dasher, and this one evolved into the flying one that shoots at you mm-hmm. um, somehow through through weird weird iterations. Uh, but yeah, no, the so the the com- the design in the end with um, bullets and beams, those those columns, or we, we call them beams. Mm-hmm. Uh, and fire, all of that kind of uh, was born in blood, roughly. Yeah, it was all like painful iterations of trying something. It's not working. Let's we need to simplify it. it we can't understand it. Yeah, there was there were a lot of iterations to to get this. Uh, I think it started simple. falling in place when we realized that uh, we could start categorizing the enemies. Like some of those are aiming at you by um well some of some of those are aiming and some are not aiming at all they are just static and they they are going to stay there and that's the first category and inside those that are aiming they are those that aim by um rotating on themselves and so it's like um like the one with the lasers that's like it's rotating and mm-hmm. uh there are those that are Spanning the world like X and Y, and y on two axes to find you, and that that kind of categorization helps say, okay, we already have that kind of enemy, uh, but we don't have that kind of combination of enemies, so we have to find a, 
more stuff to do uh, to to put some new things together. So mm -hmm. it helped find the the, um, the place we could add some stuff instead of because at the beginning you think you you have a new enemy in mind and you're just doing the same thing that you already have. You just replaced the effect by something else and it looks cool and you realize you can't really use it differently than what you already created. Gotcha. That makes good sense. That makes good sense. Now is Swordship is a roguelike, but is it kind of no? Yeah, it is. But uh, we 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 actually stopped. That's what we, that's when we found the dot jump up tagline because mm. actually it gives the wrong idea. Because usually roguelikes are not that nervous, and you can also you know you can maybe take your time, and mm -hmm. it's usually also uh, more like two D platformers or it. it it's not really giving the right ID, but yes, the mechanic behind the the loop is is a like. Does that imply procedurally generated levels as well? Uh, kind of the the enemy spawns is random, but mm -hmm. it's it's not too much random. I think Stefan has a lot yes. of stuff too. Yeah, we can, can talk about this all day. So that that one is a. It's pretty fun because uh, prior, like Basil said, that at some point we started to really be able to identify properties of each enemies and know th this one works because it's doing this, this one works because it's doing that. It has this effect on the player and it allows this or this that action. Uh, but before that, uh, we had really nothing. Uh, so the spawner was just like randomly spawning enemies at some rate and it was not fun. So yeah. We ended up. I think that's one piece that we ended up rewriting the most in in the code base, really, because um, yeah, the, our game designer just came up and said it doesn't work. I've 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 play tested this with some friends. Uh, they don't understand anything. They, it's not fun. Uh, we need to rewrite this. Um, so yeah, the, this has been through a lot of iterations to to really get right. But in the current state, I think it's. Um, it's still random, but you have a lot of rules that will constrain it. So yeah. uh, at any point, there are enemies that have to be there, and you have also enemies that cannot be there, and you have an amount of maximum enemies, depending on what they do, that can come together. So there are a lot of constraints that helps you guarantee that if you replay, it's going to be random, but it's still going to be the same difficulty. It's going to be the same feeling. And uh, it also means that when you unlock new types of enemies or new levels, then you find some new stuff, even though it's still random. But it's it really feels like a completely different level, even though you kind of have the same enemies coming. Yeah, but but I think yeah, the core, the the, the uh, well, the 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 outer loop is kind of roguelike. Yeah, um, yeah, I think I think it's fair to say. Now getting that right has to be tough, though. Like. The amount of testing you have to do to get that right to make the difficulty where you want it and such uh how much how much time or play testing or how do you figure that out to get it right to where you want it to be that fine tuning yeah i think that's the first thing is uh the game designer asked us for feedback anytime we played which uh i too often failed to do because i'm I was playing without taking notes and then I didn't remember what I wanted to say, but he was just using kind of a better or worse thing, you know, like I changed something in this level, can you play? And 
it's better or it's worse, it's giving you the direction to go. So he asked a lot of time that kind of question, can you try specifically this? And uh, we were playing. And at some point, um, we had enough people on our Discord channel to find people willing to play and, and play again. Uh, mm -hmm. a, a couple of guys that played, I don't know how many hours, more than myself, I guess, uh, because they loved it and they provided a lot of feedback. So that, that was really valuable. But then on yeah. the detail on the number of hours spent on game design, I don't know if you, we should ask uh, the game designer. I, I, I think Swordship is the game I realized I couldn't do uh, this job of being a game designer. Before I was like, well, if you like to play, you know, you can always learn, but it's way more than just loving the game. You have to know a lot of stuff to, to find the right, this perfect, you know, value that's going to be exactly what you want. Mm. Yeah, yeah. There, there was a lot. There, I think there was a lot of playtests. Um, Sandro, our, our game designer, really spent a lot of time playing. Also, he's hosting a uh, a co-working, um, and that gives him essentially access to an unlimited pool of always refreshing uh, new guinea pigs to try mm -hmm. his game, the game with. So he, yeah, he constantly was constantly putting the game in in the hands of new people. Mm -hmm. So he got really fresh, um, fresh insights into how the game is uh, is taken. Is it too difficult? Too easy? And I think one one neat thing is that we we were also aware we were not making a game for everyone. It's a pretty mm -hmm. hard, uh, it's pretty hard game. Uh, so we are also ha wouldn't say happy, but we are also comfortable with the fact that some people just find it too difficult or just just don't 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 play it. Mm -hmm. But that's and then that's a trick. I mean, it's a bit of a. It becomes tricky for marketing because we need to communicate that properly to to avoid disappointing players. The idea that no, the game is meant to be difficult. It's for those that want to challenge, but then also you want to sell to to that people so they're happy. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Gotcha. Gotcha. Now you you guys are uh, three four months since release. Do you, do you get, does that mean you guys uh, update and go in and change things, or is it just a matter of fine tuning, quality of life? How do you guys approach kind of once the game's out? Because nowadays, once the game's out, rarely is a game just done. <laughs> yeah, well, we still tried to release something that was complete. So <laughs> you can play it. It's not like uh, it's terrible and you have to wait two years to have nice updates. Sure. But, yeah, we, we have some fine tunings. Uh, coming, but also we added a couple of features that that's going to be released soon. So we're we're still yeah. working on something. Yeah, new new game mode uh, coming, hopefully in next month. Uh, yeah, gotcha. Depend depends on playtests. Um, if it, if sure. it, if it's fun, if if it's fun fast, then, then it's good. Mm -hmm. If it's a, if it's a nightmare to balance, then it's gonna take a, a, a little more time. Yeah. Uh, at first, we had kind of we, we made kind of a roadmap of new ideas we could have, but we knew that it would also depend uh, on the time we can put on the game and also on the, the success of the game. So right now, it's it's not sure we will do everything. It's likely that we will start with uh, a couple more features, see how it goes. But uh, we are also trying to explore what we could do as a next project as well. I heard some people, I say I heard some people, let me rephrase that. As I was looking in and, and playing the game and, and doing research on it and such, uh, some people were thinking like leaderboards would be a good fit. I'm curious if that if you would agree with that, given that 
there are not a set number of defined enemies on screen or, or there are restrictions here and there. Do leaderboards make sense from the guys that are making it? Cause outside looking in, I could see arguments either way. So, so that that's a, that's one we have a lot of fun with. Um, so actually when we, is it, is it Silicus? Yeah. Um, I think it is. Um, so, so leaderboards can really unlock if you beat the boss. So the, the the rationale behind this is sort of a how we onboard players into the game. So they need to first learn the basics of the game. Uh, uh-huh. You start you start in easy mode, so f- that that should be relatively easy to play. It might be a bit too tough sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so so the the idea is that before you start to focus on leaderboards, first get the basics right, mm-hmm. learn how to do a full run. And then you unlock the leaderboards, and then you can compete and get better and, and try to try to try hard. Uh, yeah. And we we the next patch, which will just like show the leaderboards button on the main screen because just people get this wrong all the time. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. leaderboards absolutely make sense. They're they're yeah they are here. Yeah, it's the core of the game. You need the leaderboard to go on playing. Once you beat the boss, you want to be the best player, and there are a lot of ways to gain more points, even though you you know you reach the end of the game. So there are leaderboards in the game. We just didn't want to fill them with scores of one and two for because people will retry and retry. So you only post your score when you end the run, and this is not clear at all in the game. But yeah, like Stefan said in the release, you will see that this exists from the start menu. And then uh, even at the end of a uh, game, if you don't succeed, it's going to be written that uh, when you reach the end, you will be able to um, push to the leaderboard and have your score uh, online. I think that's one that's one lesson learned. Because um, when you start the game for the first time, you only have, I think, like quit settings and new game. And we mm-hmm. found that to be rather elegant and in in line with the rest of the of the game's design. The, the the rest of the art style is pretty pure and simplistic. There's no distractions. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to keep that main menu very, uh, very dry like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think I think the lesson learned is here that players expect to see more uh, and to to really engage in the game. They want to to see all of the stuff that the game has to offer, uh, all the potential. The yeah. fun that it can have with so That's yeah we're, we're just showing something, all that something coming in the next update is that you're not only the leaderboards but also the the locked content that you have to play to unlock uh, you're going to have the full list in a really better way so you can go and have a look at what's remaining to get and uh, what it do it does and how to get it so um, yeah which we, we're trying to show that uh there are some stuff in the game you can you can unlock if you play a bit and uh yeah it was a bit hidden in this first version so yeah Yeah. so you talk about like that's something that's coming were you guys surprised that players didn't catch some of those things yeah Yeah, yes and no i mean um we knew from the start that people would um people who don't like that kind of they don't want to try hard they they would give up on the game Mm -hmm. um but it didn't really occur to us that people would maybe be willing to try more if they saw more stuff. That that's something really we kind of missed out. Now we can fix it. That makes sense. Like the like that carrot at the end of the stick. Like no, it's there. Just push yeah. a little bit harder. Yeah, exactly. Gotcha. Yeah, I think I think after yeah after years of work, we kind of yeah that was the last the last step really. How do we present all of the games content to players? 
Gotcha. Well, when we tweeted out uh, that we were going to be chatting, I had a lot of people message me and asking about uh, DLC and, and if you guys were, were planning to add stuff to the game. I feel like you've partially answered that, but I, uh, one of the one of the users, uh, Umbro Witcher, was curious if, if DLC was something on the horizon. And I don't... Does DLC make sense for what you guys were, are thinking? Is that something you would want to do? You can I, back up out of that question if you don't want to answer it. No, I don't think there will be a DLC. Uh, or it, it would have to be for to be something new on it because the difficulties, the whole game it is kind of uh, paced and uh, and balanced to have that exact amount of levels and that exact amount of enemies. If you mm-hmm. add some, you have to redo everything. So gotcha. it's not really possible to give you some new levels, but it could be possible to give some more play modes. And that's, uh, we don't, Right now, we're more aiming at giving more content for free because the game is it's expensive enough as it is. So we want to give people a bit more for, for the price they pay. Um, so paid DLC is not really something we will do. Gotcha. And you guys are, I mean, you're available on multiple platforms. Uh, was that something that you guys had anticipated doing? Did it catch you off guard? Was it fun to plan for? Like... <laughs> I would have to think planning a game and, and releasing a game, especially when you guys are dividing your time the way you were. Um, the idea of one platform might be daunting, multiple, even <laughs> scarier. Yeah, a bit. Um, so we had so our previous game we released on on the Switch. Uh, so we had already experience with with uh, a bit of porting like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we built and and we knew we wanted to build Swordship for Steam and the Switch. Because mm-hmm. those were the two platforms that we we really knew how to how to work work with. Mm-hmm. Um, so we we built it from the ground up to be sort of cross platform. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once we signed with our publisher, uh, and they said they wanted to to port it as well to Xbox and PlayStation and all that. So yeah, the game was already sort of in a in a state where it was possible to uh, to port it to the other platforms. And we had the um, a porting studio from from Thunderful uh, Stage Clear, who helped with the with the porting for Xbox and, and PlayStation. Is that a relief at times? The idea that like you have a publisher that will get you a porting studio, or is that some work that you guys had to do? So I think so. I think there was there was a bit of a timing thing in that um, I think once the game is ready. You can count a couple of months of porting and and then release it, mm-hmm. uh, but here, the the release date was approaching and we hadn't finished the game, so we had to keep on working on the game as we were, as the other studio was porting it. Mm-hmm. So there was a bit of a like a, a bit of friction there. Um, so yeah, that that was a bit of a, of, of a fun situation. Yeah. Yeah, I can tell you at the at the beginning when we talked about having the Xbox and PlayStation, I was first I was like, oh, I I wish I, well I would do the the PlayStation uh, the, and the, mostly the Xbox port myself because I, I really want to have done that. And then after a while, I was really glad we had a porting team doing team doing it because uh, we didn't have time at all to try to focus on a new thing that we never did. And uh, there I was really glad. But at the end, I started again feeling a bit... uh, Suddenly you realize you don't have control on what's happening. So you make new stuff and you're like, oh, and then I have to tell them 
there is a new thing to put on PlayStation and Xbox, and I don't know how long it's going to take them to port that. Mm-hmm. And uh, you don't have any control on it. So it's you have pros and cons, I mean. But uh, yeah, for us, at least it was time saving. We had a lot of, we would have spent a lot of time if you, we had to do that. So my, my closing question, I suppose, uh, is not a fair one. And that is, are you guys happy with it? Are you, are you happy with the game? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm happy it's out there. But uh, also, <laughs> I, uh, I, um, I think I was the first one telling the game designer that the game, I was happy with the game. And uh, if it would release, it would be perfect to me because he never wanted to release because he was always saying there is some stuff to improve. So our game designer actually told me that he will be happy with the game once we do this first update we're going to release. And, uh, I'm I'm definitely super super stoked with uh, with the game. Uh, yeah, the, the game's reception has been awesome. I'm super happy with what we've shipped. Um, yeah, it's uh, no, it's it's a pleasure. I'm I'm super super stoked. That makes me really happy to hear because to me it's one of the coolest looking games. I love seeing. Uh, you know, because when you're a content creator and you're putting together stuff and, you're, and I'm prepping for the interview, I'm, I'm watching and listening and as I play it myself. Um, but to me, that it just looks so cool. Like even a GIF of this game uh, is just so inviting visually and it just looks so much fun. Um, it did not tell me how difficult it would be, though, which was a fun <laughs> thing for me. I was like, oh, I really got to focus on this one. Um, but it's a blast. And I'm so happy for you guys. Uh that, that it's out and that you are happy with it. That's awesome. Thank you. Cool, thanks. Well, uh, Basil, uh, Stefan, I need you guys to let people know where they can find the game, let people know where they can find your uh, work and your socials, uh, and in general, if they want to connect with you or check out more of your work, uh, where would they find it? Well, uh, so I guess, uh, first thing, while the game is available on Nintendo Switch, Steam, uh, even Epic Game Store, like and GOG Xbox. Store and uh, anything, uh, Xbox, PlayStation. So just search for Swordship and you should find it. And then you have our Discord channel, and I don't know the handle for that. <laughs> and I'll put that in the show notes, listeners, for sure, so that you guys are able to find that as well. Awesome. Uh, and we're on Twitter at, at, we're on Twitter at uh, DKingdomCH. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Any 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 means, uh, we 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 can get it. Uh, I'm pretty sure we have an us. Instagram as well, but I don't even know what I don't have Instagram. <laughs> that's for people drawing things. Yeah, that's for the fancies. That's for the fancy people. I got gotcha. you. <laughs> uh, well, guys, thank you so much for joining me. Do be sure, uh, listeners, to check out their work, Swordship. It's a blast uh, for sure. Remember, you guys can support the Xbox Expansion Pass over on Patreon, uh, as well as subscribing to us over on the socials as well and YouTube. Uh, gentlemen, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank, thank you so much.